that. Yeah. That's new. <laughs> That's new. Recording in progress. That was I wish you could choose the voice. Like, if I had the option, I'd rather have, like, I don't know. Your dirty's voice. Yeah, or, like, a, a nice, like, lilting Scottish accent or something. Recording in progress. <laughs> right, Hen, we're recording. Recording in progress. Is everybody ready? Are we going to do a practice run through singing? Well, no, we're, we're not doing a practice, Amy. We're just going to go straight in there. Okay, gonna... wait, let me just finish my mouthful and get the lyrics up. The key change bit I might be a bit sketchy on, so I will follow someone's lead. One, two, a one, two, three, four. So one day COVID started, we were not okay. The papers used our pictures, we started to complain. My mama told me there'd be days like these. But if it wasn't for the beasting gals, I'd be down in the pit. So I'll be there for you. <laughs> when the rain starts to fall, I'll, I'll be, be there, there for you. Like I've been there before, I'll be, I'll be there, there for, for food. food. Cause you'll be there for me too. Fuck, we still have the three other versions. I thought you were going to go straight into it. The oh, life was really bad. Okay, so I'll go to slicing Charlie's then. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So no one told you life was gonna be this way. Society's a joke. Boris spoke my love life's DOA. I fucked that up. It's like you're always finding racist things. Da, 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 da. Don't worry because be seen is here and we are starting to sing. We'll be, we'll be there for you. When the rain starts to fall, we'll, we'll be, be there for you. <laughs> Like we've been there before. We'll, we'll be, be there for you. <laughs> it's so You're bad. there for us too. And no one told you life was gonna be this way. The racists get you down and ruin your whole day. Auntie Yell told you there'd be days like these. Da -da 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 -da. But when your PC and pals are there for you, it's fine. It's not as bad as peace. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be, be there, there for food. When the rain starts to fall, I'll, I'll be, be there, there for food. Like I've been there before. I'll, I'll be, be there, there for food. Because they're for me too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had a little window pop up that says, are you playing music? Question mark. <laughs> yes, we are. We're making sweet, yeah. sweet music. <laughs> Is that the end of the podcast now? So welcome back to But Where Are You From, a podcast by Be Seen, where you can be loud, be heard and be seen. And today we're chatting about friends, friendships. Friends. Would you like to introduce yourself and also say what type of friend you are? 
my name is Amy. Uh, what kind of friend am I? I don't know. I'm one of those friends who I'll probably disappear for a bit from your life and then just jump back in last minute and be like, hey, as if nothing's happened. And I think those are the kinds of friends that you know are, you know, the what the keepers because mm. you can just go back into your friendship like nothing's changed. Because I, I think... Um, to be honest, my life's pretty boring and like I can't update people all the time because I just always say the same thing. So I feel like I need that period of time to gather interesting tidbits and then I can like download onto you all the one go. So I'm sort of a yeah. like disappearing and reappearing friend. Like a ghost friend, like a, a fuckboy friend. Yeah. <laughs> I just like when I get together with my friends, I like it when I haven't seen them for a while and then I get all the information all at once. I'm really bad at like every day sort of how are you friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that. That's me. Yeah. How about you, Carly? Hi, I'm Carly and I am probably that friend that uh is very dedicated and uh I would say quite loyal like I don't have quite a big friendship circle I quite like just having a few close friends and that's it um so I'll I'll be the person that's always like hi can we do something please hi can we hang out please um please pay attention to me please (laughs) (laughs) hi I'm Mayan um I think that I am quite a reliable friend I don't know not and not necessarily in the way that you think but like I don't know, we're organizing something. Oh, you know, Maya will definitely show up or she'll she'll come through with this. Or if you ask me to help with something or bring something to a potluck or whatever, I'm, I'm always the one who comes through. Um, but I am learning to be better at not doing everything for everyone all the time because that can backfire. And, and uh, I say yes to everything, basically. I do things for all the, all the people all the time. Um, but I'm also, I'm also a gift-giving friend. I like to send people things like little tokens of appreciation if they're having a, a bad time or whatever, or if they've moved house or something like that. Aww. Just my way of like clawing back in, like don't forget. <laughs> when it's so hard to keep in touch with people, and I'm really shit at keeping in touch with people, um, especially as I got busier. It's quite nice to send something just to be like, hi. I remember once we talked um, in the WhatsApp about how I think parenting styles have affected us because because I'm the youngest, my mum and dad never trusted me to do anything for myself and they just never left me alone to sort my own stuff out. So they always just did stuff to me. And now I feel like I'm the kind of person who's just used to that now, which is really bad because I should take more initiative and sort my own stuff out. But also because my boyfriend is such a like, his love language is acts of service. It's probably why we're together. <laughs> I feel I feel spoiled um, and that I, I get very looked after. And I, yeah, I think I need to take a bit more initiative and be that person who sorts stuff out because um I do some aspects of my life like we spoke today a bit about I do things when there's retribution involved but instigating my own thing like if it's anything to do with tidying up my room or you know making food I'm just so bad I'm so bad at that I think I'm the opposite for the opposite reason I was treated as very independent from quite a young age by my parents um, and they provided everything that I needed, you know, and showed love in ways 
that weren't necessarily, I don't know, handholdy or spoon feedy. Um, so I was quite good at doing stuff myself, even though I am the youngest. Um, and I think that that has translated into my adult life by me just, yeah, parenting everyone around me, probably when they don't need it or want it, <laughs> like unsolicited parenting. I love being parented. Yeah, I, I, love, I love my friends telling me what to do. <laughs> Such a like, you make the plans and I will join. You know where people yeah, are like, come on, let's all get together and make plans and sort stuff out. And I'm like, okay, uh, just let me know when it's all done. And I'll like jump in. Yeah, and see, sometimes, I mean, that's generally what happens to me. But I also realise that I need to get better at being like, I don't have time to organise this. Can someone else do this? And not even remotely get into kind of like project managing the whole thing because otherwise I just end up worrying about everyone's enjoyment or everyone getting this done or if we don't do this then this won't happen and I think I just need to get better at letting it not happen sometimes because I think my um especially when it comes to organizing like someone else will say hey who fancies a weekend away and then silence mm. and then usually it's like it will wait until one of the more organized people in the group will step in and say okay well I found this Airbnb what about this okay I'll pay for it everyone owes this much blah 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 um but if you only have one of those people in the group it can yeah. be quite yeah. exhausting for for them so I, I think it's best when there's like some people more than one person who has that kind of personality um and then things can be divvied up I am good at restaurant suggestions though if you need food Noted. ideas, I am keen on suggesting food because that's something I am on top of is making a list of places to eat because, yeah, that's important to me. I was about to add on being the reliable friend, and I wonder whether, Maya, and you felt this as well, is that you're kind of designated as the mother of the group. And while that's somewhat flattering, um, I actually find that really exhausting. And it comes back to the point where, as you say, it's really important to actually have multiple individuals of that organizing personality, because at the end of the day, it always falls onto the same person. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I don't have a big friend circle is because time and time again, I'm always the person that um, organizes because no one does it. And you end up feeling this um, exhaustion because if you don't do it, then nothing happens. And this weight is, you know, you kind of get fed up of it. You, it would be nice if um, someone did something and, and you just went along. But a lot of the time, I think, um, for me anyway, having to always um, yeah. make that decision for other people, um, then it kind of is quite clear to me that those friendships aren't necessarily a priority to maintain because mm. if it was important for them, they would have done it. It's a, it's a question of how people respond when you push back, isn't it? Yeah, but I do think like we all, I think I have very different roles with different friends. Like I'm sometimes the organiser in a lot of friendships and other times I do take a seat back and it depends on like the dynamic between the two. But I think like I know that I can be the one that sits back in certain friendships because you kind of like know that that person is going to be reliable to then organise something and then you kind of just get into that dynamic of doing that. And then like it's not until it's it's like pushed back and then you're like, oh shit, actually I need to make the effort and actually put more initiative into friendships I was just gonna say I, I would say that it shouldn't have to speaking as somebody who has had like social burnout a lot in the last year and um, I talk about this a lot with my therapist it, it just shouldn't have to get to the point where you have to push back on your friends and say I can't do this for it to be 
uh, uh, for the slack to get picked up sometimes like you would kind of hope that sometimes your friends would say oh no well actually you're organizing quite a lot at the moment or I know you've got a lot on your plate let me do this like it it's quite nice Mm -hmm. for people just to kind of swoop in and take over a role Mm -hmm. without you having to say listen I'm really busy I can't do this I think for me it's also changed a lot with age for example um say starting uni or in school and now that I'm a bit older I'm just a bit like uh and um I think I've just gotten a bit tired and um I want to be I want to hang out with my friends and I think I've had I've got a smaller group of friends now Mm. like I've shed friends as time has gone on and so you I get in a space of comfort and it's actually nice like I'm not complaining at all uh but I'd say the number of friends I have is matching now my energy levels and I think yeah, yeah I agree with you Viv yeah. like I've fallen into a pattern with certain friends because we're comfortable now which is really nice yeah yeah I think you get I fewer friends as you get older don't you sometimes you just fall out of touch with people and you just stop being yeah. friends with them naturally and the friendships run its course but sometimes you you really just you deprioritize people not necessarily because you don't want to be friends with them anymore but the best bit of advice the best bit of wisdom about friendship that I ever heard is actually from my friend's ex-boyfriend and he said to her you just move that person down your list it doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore or you know not friends anymore but sometimes you just need to reorder your priorities like everyone has those people who are top of the list they check in with them really regularly they speak all the time you know because they're just at that moment in time more of an active part in your of your life and I have other friends who are a little bit further down the list doesn't mean I don't still love them or want to catch up with them and want to be involved with them it's just not physically possible to have everybody at the top of your list all the time yeah that's so true and I think like people think that with friends they have to be for a lifetime because you don't really talk about like friendship breakups or what happens when a friendship does kind of like dissipate but that's also quite normal too like some friends aren't meant to be in your life forever for whatever reason I think I'm the type of friend where I make friends very easily but I would only say that I I have only a few close friends that really do know all facets of me because I think I can easily take the role especially in large groups of being like very the entertaining friend where I'm very chatty I can make I don't know like just be silly and stuff like that but actually that's like one side of me and there's another side of me that's actually way more like introverted and happy to take the step back and be a bit quieter I only regard a few friends as my actual friends if you see what I mean do you think that we should normalize friend breakups yes I wanted to talk about that because I think the last year has definitely impacted my friendships I think in terms of very very wildly different things but just realizing my own boundaries and also like um bringing in topics of like um social justice racial justice and how that has affected my friendships I definitely think that we should talk about friendship breakups because they can be really painful and I've been through quite a few in my life as well and it sucks it's almost as bad as a breakup I think they're different kinds aren't they because I've definitely had toxic friends breakups where we've like there's one friend I had, I literally was friends with him for seven years. And then I sort of forgave a lot of the really horrible things that he did and the bad things that he said to me, just because I was all about, you know, we had a big friendship group. I didn't want to cause tension. And then it just came to a point where there was something that he did where I was just like, that is so bad, like awful. And I just cut him off completely. I was just like, that's Mm. enough. And looking back, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, he was so toxic and horrid. And I, believe I put up with it but I feel so much better 
like much mm. much better but I'm not at the stage yet where I've managed to forgive him you know there's some people who are just like I'm at peace with it uh be well with you whereas I'm just like fuck him like <laughs> I hope the worst things happen to you I have yeah. no I no hate sympathy. I hate confrontation which I think is weird because I'm quite a uh quite an outspoken person I'm also very forthcoming with my opinions that I'm quite loud so I think people find it really surprising I hate confrontation I really hate talking about this kind of stuff so I'm way more inclined to just like quietly back away (laughs) and hope that it goes away I have um, an ex-friend whom I haven't spoken to in almost seven years and we just stopped speaking (laughs) one day (laughs) we just stopped speaking and then he never messaged me he never replied to a message and I was just like well do you want closure like it's closure because I got a lot of that closure from other people it was very messy but basically I found out that they had been saying things about me from other Mm. people and I was like well fuck him he's not getting a reply and then I just stopped but if you look at our message history which I did the other day in preparation for this podcast it just is like hey so I swing by for yoga in about half an hour yet cool see you then and then there was another message from me after that and that was it that was the end of the friendship wow (laughs) and we just stopped speaking to each other and um I had this was seven years ago so I had several years of like real anger also compounded by the fact that he had been a terrible friend to others and a terrible boyfriend to another friend and there was lots of reasons but we processed for a long time and I think it was about three years ago I just decided I was gonna forgive and get over it and now I'm like eh. mm. you know that that friendship doesn't not having that friendship hasn't impacted my life in any way well, I'm sure it has mm. but not in a negative way like I don't really notice and this is someone I used to see every day was really yeah. close with yeah, the loss of my friend definitely impacted because I then lost other f- friends who um, basically I left the workplace and they were still at that workplace. So it's easier for them to stay friends with this person because I moved away to another country and then he was still in that workplace with our group of friends. And so we generally drifted apart because I felt very strongly about never, ever talking to him. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. it did impact me in that um I lost touch with people and that saddens me because I'm just like yeah it's lots of time I I think spending time with people is like currency energy is a currency and building up those friendships and those memories is so important and so to lose that is a massive deal and no doubt people feel so horrible after it happens and Mm. I really sympathize it's one of those things where sometimes I just think yeah it's sad and it's horrible and I just I don't know let that wave of feeling wash over me daily when I think about it <laughs> Very this is the work. yeah I was trying to I was trying to speak like Amy the other day because she was saying like metaphorical words like wave and currency that's how I was trying to speak the other day on the podcast about something yeah, but you just skip straight to and then all of a sudden you're on a beach <laughs> yeah yeah it's part of the, the metaphorical language inspired by Amy Fung um what do you think could you be friends with that you inherited from your ex yeah like, for sure I have yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, one of my exes. Um, yeah, had, I made a really good friend. I haven't spoken to him in a while, though. But um, yeah, made really good friends with him. Got on so well. And yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen them regularly because always it's going to be awkward, isn't it? Especially as like my ex, I think, um, basically his girlfriend apparently said that she didn't want him talking to me. So 
So oh, then, not that anything was going on, and uh, I totally gosh. didn't want to get back together with him or anything like that. But yeah, unfortunately, that's the situation where there was a break as well. And yeah, I know it's really bad. I should get back in touch, but I'm also terrible at that, it's getting back in touch. I think um, friendships, when you break those off, they're a lot harder than relationships. Because I think, as we mentioned at the beginning, sometimes uh, I don't think we expect to lose friends. I don't think we expect that, that relationship to come to an end. Whereas very often, you know, there's, for example, there's songs about um, relationships that have ended. There's a lot of um, media or, you know, there's this awareness that relationships have a potential to end, whereas friendships are never marketed as that. So when they happen, it's often a lot harder to deal with. And with that, a lot of the time with friendships, you have other friends that are connected to that and it affects how your dynamic is with other people. And, you know, for example, if you used to hang out with someone who's part of a larger group, that often can impact on the group friendship that you may have or people end up taking sides. And I think that's a lot tougher to deal with than with a personal relationship where, yeah, sure, you might um, become really good friends with, you know, this ex-partner's family or uh, their friendship circle. But I think it's it's quite different when um, it's a lot harder to untangle yourself when it's your own uh, friendship. So I often find that... Um, that's often a lot harder to emotionally deal with um, as well as as how to navigate that afterwards. Mm, yeah, I really agree. And I can think of so many situations where that's happened where, and it's almost like because you've not had that breakup, you know, like with a relationship, you have that closure because you might have had the arguments, the confrontations, the crying, whereas like with these friendships that just like disappear into the ether, there's so many question marks and like things left unsaid. Like I remember years ago, I broke up with a very best friend of mine who became quite toxic in her behavior. Um, and I just cut things off without any explanation to her. But then because I didn't get closure and I'm sure it impacted her massively, I dreamt about her all the time. I would have reoccurring dreams about her constantly. And it was only until we met up a few years later um, when we were both a bit older and wiser. And then my dreams just stopped. So literally they just stopped. It was like my brain telling me that I had some like un unfinished business with her that I needed to sort out. And it was so odd. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I've also had situations where I've confronted like had a conversation I think I'm okay with confrontation actually not in the sense that I want to make a person feel bad but I'm comfortable bringing things up and saying oh yeah that didn't that was didn't make me feel happy or I'm not sure that was cool and uh, I've definitely had situations where clearly that person didn't want to be confronted or wasn't easy maybe didn't like the way that I did it and um totally then disappeared for a while and it took them amount of time to like come back and then let us get back into the you know normal way of things but um yeah I think communication levels and understanding how people like to communicate is so important and I guess you can only know that once you've started it you know try to discuss it and see how it goes um yeah. but yeah it does mean it does involve I think being flexible with different people Basically learning to speak other people's love languages rather than only ever speaking your own is what, in, in, yeah. in romantic relationships as well as friendships is what. I should have given them like a present, like a food gift. Always start <laughs> with a food gift, I think, yeah. and then launch into it. I think that's what I should have done. <laughs> yeah, I think you're definitely right. Being able to wear different hats um, yeah. and be different things to different people, like you said earlier, Viv. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to ask about um, people who 
maybe keep friends in their life out of a kind of loyalty because of long term, mm. you know, just because they've known each other since they were three or something. And maybe they're completely different people now and they don't actually have anything in common or they maybe even have different values. I don't I don't like confrontation or addressing this kind of stuff myself, but I'm really good at noticing it with my other friends and saying this person is really toxic for you. I'm worried about you. I think you need to just break up with them. Um, like f- sort of fiercely defensive. Cause I've seen a couple of friends who have friends they've been together with since they were, yeah, like toddlers and now they're just completely different. Yeah. And it's at the, where that friend actively contributing to detrimental emotional well-being on their side you know making them bend Mm -hmm. over backwards to do stuff and they're constantly giving and never really getting anything in return or even being bullied constantly put down and it makes me so sad to see that and when I've addressed it with the friend just to say listen I'm actually quite worried about this the constant thing that comes back is yeah but we've just known each other for so long and I'm like why on the one Mm. hand I do understand why long-term loyalty is really important and that there are some people in your life who have known you through so many things but it's also not the be all and end all just because someone's been in your life for a long time doesn't mean that you have to stay friends with them when they're being really toxic and damaging you it's all about like Marie Kondo isn't it like thank you for giving me joy for these few months or years (laughs) now (laughs) bye-bye it also doesn't have to be toxic friendships it's also coming to realize that you simply don't share the same interests I've had a lot of friends that we were friends because there was nobody else to hang out with at school. And I always knew that we never shared any common interests, values maybe, but generally speaking, we were only there, you know, to, there together um, in the friendship group because that was who was there. And I think when you kind of accept that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's also being honest with yourself and prioritizing um, your own interests and, um the time and people you want to spend spend your you know it with and that actually yeah. connects onto then the idea of now in the past year we I think there's been a massive shift hasn't there like we've all been in lockdown there's been some learning some you know action and understanding of the world that we're living in and then there could be a break I think I don't have anyone has experienced that sort of you know maybe the level of learning or the journey on which we've all been on maybe we're at different stages with our friends so I don't know if anyone's been through that oh absolutely I think last year was certainly a big indicator of that where I had to reevaluate a lot of my friendships I lost a lot of friends I went through very very hard hard times with very close friends and I think that was related to talking about topics that we've never talked about before with racism and like especially with white friends and like it's been so 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 difficult and I think I've touched upon it briefly on the podcast but you know you you think like you when you're friends with someone for so long you think you know every facet of them and it it just shows that you don't truly know someone's values or not even values but perception of things until think you're confronted with it and then you have to address it. And it's taken me a long time to actually address it because I hate confrontation. <laughs> um, but last year has been, yeah, a, a, a year of realising boundaries and um, and trying to navigate that with like lifelong friends. It's been tricky. What about, what yeah. about everyone else? I feel like it's almost like, you know, they say that thing where 
you don't use the whole part of your brain. You only use like a really teeny tiny part and you actually have a lot of capacity. I feel like I've gained a little bit more, like that gray matter has turned into something. It's been activated and I feel like, oh, finally I, I have a new perspective. And yeah, I definitely have experience with friends who have been very silent around these issues and I feel awkward about it. I've just said I like confrontation, but actually this I've, found it really hard to talk about because it's yeah. something so close to my heart something so important to me that the idea that I might be invalidated by my friends is actually very difficult for me to think about yeah I think that perhaps this is something that comes with age as well as with unpacking the politics of social marginalization and social justice issues but for me it's also been a case of recognizing my worth and recognizing that actually at the stage that I'm in in my life I can afford to choose I can afford to choose my friends and I always say that my deal breaker in a romantic relationship would be that I'd never be with someone who didn't completely connect with me on my social and political values and I'm starting to apply that to my friendships as well and Mm. because you haven't had these conversations before like you said Amy you maybe haven't maybe it was Viv you maybe haven't realized that some of your friends don't share these views and that a lot of them actually sometimes have quite problematic views and that doesn't mean that they're not good friends to Mm. you um but for me personally it does often mean that sadly I just I just move them a bit further down my list because one of my most prized values in a friend or in a romantic partner is that ability to have a really really deep connection and understanding about the values that I hold closest to my heart because I'm an extremely passionate person and I always have very strong opinions about things and while it's good for me to be around people who encourage me to see both sides or or to encourage healthy discussion to unpack things I don't I find it fundamentally really difficult to feel close to people who I know just have really opposite views to me and I used to make space for all of these people before when I was younger and now I'm just like eh I don't I don't want to go and do that thing because it's just going to be full of people who don't have anything in common with me or who don't want to talk about the kind of stuff that I want to talk about so I'm not going to go and the peace that comes with knowing that I can make those decisions has been really 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 amazing. Mm. I think um, we're talking about confrontation that's quite a common theme about how a lot of us avoid confrontation I am actually the opposite. I don't mind confrontation whatsoever. In fact, I think I value that in that it's it's a way of being honest, you know, being honest to your friends um, that this is important to you, this is what you won't take, and also wishing or certainly hoping that they would reciprocate and, and share the same things. Because I think very often um, from my sort of past friendships, my um, eagerness, if you will, to be honest and to tell people as it is, that confrontation has come across as aggressive when it's not, it's not aggressive at all. It's, um, you know, essentially being clear about what the boundaries are. But I think, as you say, it possibly is an age thing and as well as a personality thing where people are, are too scared to perhaps say or to admit um, what they want. And so naturally they avoid confrontation when actually it can, it can really help improve a relationship. So I find that um, with regards to last year and how it's impacted friendships, 
when you know we start to find the the EC hate essentially being so overwhelming I basically pulled up all my friends and said look this is shit you know you posted black squares you um reshared things for um other POC communities and you've not said a single word about what's happening to the Asian community and I am your probably only POC friend as a group of white mm -hmm. friends um and you know it it didn't take me really long to to think about sending them that you know I didn't really hesitate because it's not necessarily a confrontation it's more like I value you as you as a friend so I'm willing to be honest and upfront about it and I don't see that as being a an aggressive or an issue you know what mm. I have found really difficult around these conversations that I've had had with friends because more often not how it's been brought up is that uh, my boyfriend has brought it up so we'll be in the group and then I'm not very willing to talk about BC almost because like I've mentioned before scared of being invalidated mm. and um, my boyfriend would be the one to be like oh no Amy you like did this do you remember and I was like oh yeah 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 it got got mentioned in parliament and then what <laughs> I find is the reaction from mostly white friends it's almost like they think it's a cute little activity <laughs> like they're like oh you've got a you're doing Britain's East and Southeast yeah. Asian now oh okay that's oh you've got yeah. a petition that's lovely well done congratulations and I don't feel like they fully understand why I'm doing it or the impact it's had so it's, <laughs> yeah I think for them their perspective is like oh that's that's a bit interesting but it's not something which mm. comes from a place of like oh god you've gone through so much shit I'm so sorry it's not like that yeah and I don't understand I how at this point people don't realize that like it's not like they have the crutch of lack of coverage to yeah. lean on anymore I mean it's not like it's splashed around the news every day but there has been coverage and a lot of social media sharing on yeah. recent physical violent attacks mm -hmm. the Atlanta shooting is a you know I, I honestly don't nobody can have missed that I don't understand no. how how people can still be in the dark about this and all of the coverage around Atlanta mentioned you know this follows a string of violent increased mm -hmm. attacks against people of East and Southeast Asian appearance blah 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 I'm just baffled about that and I could I honestly count the number of white friends who reached out to me to say hey this is really shit I hope you're okay uh, they're yeah. in the single digits I love those white friends like white fibs who would then actively bring it up in conversations because I do find myself being so tired in white spaces where we talk about surface level things and the issues that are out there in the world just have to be avoided and you have to go along with talking about their dogs or I don't know whatever it might be whatever it might be and like when actually someone's like oh Bib's done this recently let's talk about this and just oh uh, yeah I think it is like when white friends almost appease you and, and patronize you on it. Like, oh, you've got a weird petition. <laughs> yeah, so I great. see it. To yeah. me, I almost see it as an empathy gap because I think when they see it on the mainstream news and they haven't spoken to us directly and understood our lived experiences and they're only viewing it through the eyes and the words of a reporter, there's almost like a distance where they see it academically. It's like a subject which is interesting. It's for them to study and to think about, but they're not really engaging with it on the level, mm. which is personal, which is all about, you know, our humanity. And I think that's where there's a gap, which maybe 
we should then start talking to our friends about it or being open and vulnerable. Um, but like I said, that's hard. So yeah, I think more than not, and I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't done this before either, where a really horrific news story has come up or something big has happened and I've only been able to view it with a certain distance. So I can sort of understand that. I'm not saying give me a free pass, but I think that's happening as, you know, I'm on the other end as well, where I'm just like, you just don't understand, like you don't get it. It's not something which is frivolous. It's so much more than that. So yeah, I think I've experienced that from both sides. Yeah, I think all too often we focus on the achievements and the positives, you know, for example, the fact that the petition is now 35,000 signatures, we've been mentioned in parliament, all this and all that. Whilst it's great, I think, it ends up overshadowing the actual cause, the actual root of why it started in the first place and the fact that it's still ongoing because I think Atlanta was a turning point for so many of us um, in the EC community that the white friends that reached out to me after that were the friends that I had confronted and said, look, you have said shit about this. And you know, it's been very clear to me that friends that I was slowly kind of you know, losing interest and contact with clear the friendships there it's not really a priority anymore for me and that's fine and I think you know people have um, friendships that last for certain points in their lives like any relationship but I think not acknowledging the negative aspect is a problem because that is as important as the positives after all it's it's not just um, something that, that's a hobby that we can be proud of but actually it's an ongoing thing that a lot of us are experiencing living through will continue to live through for probably decades to come until we can change the systems in place and not acknowledging that is simply naive and those values don't you know match a lot of mine and unfortunately if it doesn't then I think as you said Mayanne you know being quite a passionate person about certain causes and um really important things in life that if you don't sink on that level then you know I'm not sure whether I would want to keep on being friends talking about you know tv shows and dogs and stuff like that whilst I welcome that but those friendships are are serve a particular purpose and I have close to me I think they have to meet a lot of my not requirements but you know the sort of yeah uh, emotional connection as well as that as well as Mm -hmm. everyday interests yeah Regarding that negative, acknowledging the negative, there are ways that some friends have done that so well and ways in which others not so much. For example, when I'd spoken directly about my experiences with racism and racialized misogyny on Women's Hour, for example, or on this podcast, you can really tell when there's like an outpouring of white guilt because I would get messages saying like, oh my God, I never realized this. I feel so like, blah, blah, blah. and it, it just made me feel really uncomfortable. But I have had some really genuine messages from friends saying, listen, I realized that this thing happened and that must've made you feel really awful at the time. And I don't expect us to have to talk about this now, but I just wanted to let you know that I should have done more as a friend and um, I, I'm aware of that and I'm sorry. And not made it into a, not put me on the spot to reply. Um, I have a couple of friends who've done an amazing job of just 
working into a conversation when it's relevant that they recognize something and they understand something rather than it's in a conversation and mm. someone says something and then all eyes turn to you and it's like you're put on the spot like perform your activism and you suddenly feel like you're responsible for all of the EC people in the world and you're speaking on their behalf and that makes me feel so uncomfortable and I think mm. it's probably why like you said Amy sometimes you just would rather not talk about be seen because it's, it's just you don't want to be that spokesperson all the time like you're not a press secretary yeah like no. why would we why should we be the ones that have to educate and talk about it over and over like we literally created a whole website like you could go to it and there's a lot of information resources there. like I feel like I just want to say that because more often than not they haven't engaged at all and mm. I think that's the thing is like I love the acknowledgement but also please don't expect me to have to talk about it I'd love for you to go away and look into it because the information is all out there and we've put forward so much free labor and education um, you know say online which can be referred to so it is exhausting but on the flip side I feel like I appreciate you guys so much more and finding that community where I, I literally every single day I'm like such relief because I feel like finally you know I found people who actually get it um and you have to say like a couple years ago I was just like yeah you know what pretty happy pretty cool you know got my group of friends love them but now I feel like whoa you know I actually made new friends that's really cool and so grateful for you guys as well like I can't imagine like what was I doing like all this time without you lot honestly yeah what were we doing I really don't know I'm the same like if I was yeah. just posting angrily into a void <laughs> oh my gosh I just can't even imagine it I can't even imagine not having this space to just be able to feel like I can talk about anything and we all have either like very similar experiences or different experiences which then enrich each other's experiences all together it's I love it so much I love it so much <laughs> I think in the past year for me, I had a few friends that um, I talk about from time to time about um, some of sort of my frustrations. But if I hadn't met, you know, the six of you, well, the five of you and other folk that I've um, discovered through Instagram, I think I probably would have carried on with the few friends that I have. And it would have just been a very one sided conversation. And the um, few you know, EC friends, uh, both of whom are from Hong Kong that I'm very close with. Um, I don't know whether they would necessarily um, be in the same wavelength because they they weren't brought up here um, and they didn't face the kind of um, discrimination as one would, you know, growing up in, in Britain in a, in a Western society as part of a diaspora. And I think, yeah, that would probably have continued and I'd have been you know, shouting into Instagram, but at the same time doubting myself and um, probably in the end just gaslighting myself and and uh, stifling it essentially. So I think in the past year, that's really motivated me to look for other um, ECs who are in other diasporas based in the UK and especially obviously in Scotland since I'm up here. Um, and yeah, just to, to reach out, I guess, whereas before I think I would have just shied away and just stayed in the small friendship group that I have. Yeah, it's also allowed me to talk about this kind of stuff with friends I already have, but we just never really talked about race or ethnicity um, because we didn't have a social environment that was acclimatized to doing that. Um, and 
with a lot of my other mixed ethnicity friends, for example, um, especially if I think about high school and a couple of other mixed white EC friends, I think we all had similar levels of kind of assimilation and that's possibly why we just never talked about this kind of stuff. And uh, another friend I have is um, really, really comfortable with her identity, with her mixed identity. And we've managed to talk about that since, you know, within the past year. And I've just been so in awe and so just happy and generally really, it just was really brightening to, to have that conversation with her because I was thinking, this is what I would love to strive towards. I would love to get towards a space that she's in where she's just like absolutely happy to claim all these different parts of her heritage. Um, and it's really thanks to all of these topics and issues that have been coming out over the last year, not to say that they weren't present before, that that's allowed me to have that conversation. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. But by the same token, there are also other things that have sprung up out of the woodwork, like, you know, people saying invalidating things or like people using you as a resource for absolutely everything to do with social justice. Um, and as we know, a lot of that labor has already been done. Like there are literally reading lists directories for businesses or restaurants or whatever it is that have been painstakingly crafted by so many different members of our community, the black community, the South Asian community. There are so many people who have put hard work into creating these resources and still people will just be like, um, so what is this exactly? And I'm just like, fucking Google that shit. <laughs> well, I'm not a dictionary. I'm not a directory. Um, you know, and it's great that people are listening to what we're doing and it's great that people are paying attention and, and keeping on top of our activities, but it doesn't give you the right to message me and just say, I need you to tell me about this thing um, without having done any of the, the work yourself. And it, there's a time and a place. Like I'm very happy for people to contact me to talk about stuff if we have some kind of precedent. Um, what I'm a bit... It does, I find quite destabilizing was when it's someone you haven't spoken to for a really long time and then suddenly they just appear in your DMs wanting mm. your opinion on something or wanting you to check a box that they've got because they're trying to unpack something on their side. And that has happened to me uh, a few times with, with DMs from people I haven't seen for a really long time. Yeah, uh, it's weird that they do that and it's still like, how do you not know that that is literally just like free labor? Like, how do you think that that's okay to do that? To use you as like the, the token Asian person to answer some vague question that they have when they've not got in touch with you for so long. Like I've had friends where like they've seen every single story that I've posted about every trauma, everything on Instagram. And then the time that they do get in touch is when I post um, some like Asian food and they're like, oh, can you send me the recipe for this? And that's the only time they've got in touch. And mm. I'm just like, how do you not, how do you not feel the optics of this the same way that I do? Yeah. Like, uh -huh. and I, I think so that it's, it's difficult because I mean, sometimes it's hard because I, I am like, okay, I'm genuinely happy that you are thinking about this. Um, I just feel awkward being the go-to uh, yeah. in this particular situation. So it is hard because I, I want to respect people's, um, you know, beginning yeah. on a path of understanding and I want to enable that. I don't want to, um to, to 
cut off people's desire for learning but at the same time I have to recognize my boundaries and my energy levels because I would Mm -hmm. like thinking about what I would do I would literally never go to one of my black friends if I hadn't spoken to or you know someone I used to be friends with or someone I hadn't spoken to for a long time be like hey long time no see can you tell me about this like when I think about that I'm just like what why no no I've actually found it quite interesting especially when I've spoken about certain things online the engagement from different people so say if it's something where I've talked about a racial incident uh, or you know any aspect of our work the engagement is really high from people within the EC community but I find Mm -hmm. when I just post say my art or I post something happy like a picture of us smiling I get way more engagement from my white friends and I think I that says to me that you know they're not confident or shy about facing the really difficult things I'm talking about. And I think that has been exacerbated by the fact that in the past, I was usually someone who I'm just really happy and, you know, carefree. And that was what I always put forward. So I guess they're not used to then me talking about things that are really difficult. And I think yeah. that to me in itself is also invalidating. Like I'm a bit like, why, why don't you want to engage or yeah. even acknowledge it? So I don't think I should put too much stock on literally likes, you know, that's, I know that's silly but I do find there's there's a stop where I talk about anything difficult yeah I agree I agree I've seen it where a friend um when I was posting a lot about um Black Lives Matter and showing resources she messaged me because similarly I was known as like the silly funny one within this friendship and then she messaged me saying I'm a bit scared of you at the moment and that was her response as a, a white woman um and I thought about that the other day and actually how it really made me want to distance myself from her because if I if she's going to be scared of me just sharing infographics on social media and saying something about racial inequality, then like how like how's it gonna be if I ever see her in real life? Like I'm not gonna be able to talk yeah. about these things openly without her feeling scared. Oh that is why you should be valued. Yeah, you should be valued as a friend for all parts of you not just the funny silly parts like people Mm. it's like it's like when people only engage with things about our food you know where it's Mm. like you can't Mm. take the good things of our cultures but then ignore the 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 negative experiences that we have as well but one thing that I really am here for is when I get messages from people usually other marginalized people saying how seeing what I've been talking about or what I've been doing or what we've been doing as a group has inspired them. I had an amazing message from a friend recently whom I haven't seen for years. They live in the States, but they posted a video talking about anti-Semitism and how much they've been gaslit during conversations about Israel-Palestine to tell them as a Jewish person what is and what isn't anti-Semitism and it was Mm. so insightful and at the end I got this message saying if it hadn't been for seeing you standing up for all of your causes that you're working for and towards I don't think I ever would have had the courage to post these messages and I was just like oh my god I'm so here for this (laughs) and that's the the kind of message that really makes me want to keep going is when people send Mm. you messages and they're like this was actually really helpful for me Um, and you just never know how much you're touching people's lives I mean I could be touching people's lives in a really bad way um that sounded a bit dodgy (laughs) you know what I mean I could be having a really negative impact but at least I know that I'm having a positive impact in some way Mm -hmm. that's a great thing isn't it like 
the more we talk about it, the more that we can normalize this kind of language, because I feel like there's so many people who are even afraid of saying the words Asian or EC or um, racism. <laughs> and it's like, oh, black. Yeah. Ah, like, scary. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's black. Yeah, yeah black's exactly. not a bad word. Yeah. 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 I think we need to switch that around. And the more that we use those words, I think the more likely people will feel comfortable talking about it with us because it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to mess up and we all will do I do daily so I think Mm -hmm. just have that openness you know I think that would be so much more I know relieving enriching I think for friendships going forward I've got a question (laughs) who's your favorite new friend Oh, that's unfair. Mm, yeah. Oh, wait. Can we I'm, choose one? I'm joking. I'm joking. I was, for the listeners, I was pointing to myself. There isn't obviously a correct answer. No, that's not a genuine question. Don't answer it. <laughs> Just thinking about it then. How do I weigh that up? And yeah, I, I feel like I've got so many great new friends and some that I haven't even met yet. But do, do you find approaching um, making friends now like different as adults? But the thing is, I feel like it's weird because we came together through a shared trauma. Mm. So we found that connection because obviously there was that ability to talk about it with our existing friends because it's such a difficult topic and one which is so based on our experience. So we came together through, there was an event, you know, there was Mm -hmm. for me at the beginning of the pandemic, I had real anxiety. And I remember saying to my boyfriend, I don't know if I can go outside. I'm literally so scared to go outside. Mm. And he was just like, I don't get it. He was just like, you're okay. And I was like, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Because I was reading so much online. Um, You know, they were calling it the China virus. And that was giving me, you know, such horrible, I don't know, horrible anxiety. And so for me, it's not even like I want to continue go out making friends. To me, it just happened so organically because I found people who understood. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. How do I approach making friends? I don't really. I think it's always through an experience. Yeah, a traumatic racial experience. (laughs) that has brought us together so have you all seen the video of the white woman assaulting the black bouncer Mm, yeah yeah. Mm. I was talking to my friend about Mm. this today and honestly the speed with which she pulled out all of those slurs just shows that they were so close to the surface and that those Mm. sentiments live so close to the surface for a lot of people in our society people who ordinarily go about their lives in a seemingly non-racist way like it is still out there everywhere and the fact that no one said anything just it really it made me feel so ashamed Mm. Mm, yeah I feel like last year and continuing into this year I mean it's all sort of parts of a puzzle that have all come together because the pandemic happened there was this biased reporting and then there was um, George Floyd's murder which sparked a whole lot of protest and you know people wanting to educate themselves and then Atlanta and I feel like there's such a catalogue of events that created um sort of an environment especially as we're all stuck indoors like during the pandemic where people could spend more time take their time educating themselves Mm -hmm. and learning if they wanted to and so I feel like although the pandemic was such a difficult time and I say this with privilege I was able to then take time out and learn that it has been a time where you do take stock where there is growth and I think 
where it comes to difficulties with friendship is that you just don't know if that person is on the same road or in the same place or if you can start to then address these things because I feel like coming out now right in London in England or UK the pandemic is the lockdown is starting to lift and I almost feel like woo, like a bit weird like I'm gonna meet out my friends like soon the test. and the test and I've made plans yeah. and it's gonna be so weird because it's gonna be like have you changed like you know yeah. what have you gone through have you, are you in the exact same place as you were before which would just yeah. blow my mind <laughs> it is the yeah. test though like like we've said so many times before the bridge between the theoretical and the practical is yeah. really difficult making that step is really hard and the lockdowns have basically meant that people have had a lot of time privileged people have had a lot of time to stay inside learning uh, and now when the UK starts to return to normal or the rest of the world starts to return to normal it will be time to put that newfound knowledge to the test like are you going to be the person who can apply what you've learned in a practical setting or are you just gonna like silently stay in the background as you did before like there is crunch time basically and I think that marginalized people are feeling that with trepidation like a friend of Mm. ours messaged me when restaurants were opening up saying that when she was out with a bunch of other EC people you know she saw a group of men walking towards her group and she was just thinking like oh god this is it you know yeah, like yeah. this is this is the time this is when we're all going to get attacked um and it's just it, it like it reminds me a little bit of um there's a comedy sketch by a, a female comedian who does a sketch about how women all kind of are just waiting for the time that they're assaulted like as women mm. and how and how fucked up it is that we all just like are waiting for it like okay yep yeah, this is it this is this mm-hmm. is where I get abducted this is the day like you will just you just kind of assume that it's going to happen to you one day or like and then it just kind of reminded me like of that people people EC people at it's the moment so are all just expecting that it's going to yeah, happen one day and there's going to be a moment where you're like okay this is it yeah the panic just dropped know. me yeah like I spoke to um um, my boyfriend about this and I said like I ne- when I lived in London I wasn't as scared about walking by myself and then like I said to him like now he noticed how jumpy I was when we see like groups of men or just people come I don't know just I would just be more jumpy and it's only just click now it's because of fucking everything that's happened in the past <laughs> year attacked. Yeah. I am literally waiting to be called something or to be attacked and like it, I felt ex- that exact fear when I was actually walking with uh, Charlie and Hannah walking down the canal recently and there was a group of drunk men who were walking down the canal so it was a very quiet path and I was just thinking they, they are going to say something whether it was like sexualized or racism whatever it might be they are going to say something and I just like armed myself for it nothing happened but that all those thoughts went through my head in like the span of 10 seconds of seeing them and like yeah it's compounded now where I'm just like "Ah, ah, ah." Like, (laughs) what's it gonna be I'm the opposite I've started now just walking directly into them I mean not like into their group of people if they're standing around but I mean like I used to cross yeah I used to cross the road I used to go the long way around but now I, I mean touch wood like nothing's yeah. happened yet but I am sort of consciously sort of having to unlearn a lot of things that I used to subconsciously do like make way for people um, yeah. especially I mean the other day I was walking along on the pavement it's quite a small pavement these two huge um 
guys walking along side by side and they're walking directly into me. And I was just like, no, you single file because you're taking out the whole paper. I'm not going to walk into the road. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I did bump into them because they wouldn't make space for me. Like I walked along the side of them, but I refused to go into the road. Yeah. And they did shoulder hit me. And I was just like, this is it. This is what you're used to. You're used to seeing someone like me and expecting to move out of the way. So no, mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously assessed the situation, but I am now just like, fuck it. I'm going to walk into you. Don't care. Totally. It's the entitlement, isn't it? Um, and this is like slightly tenuous link, but my friend was talking about how it's more men that like don't ask for um, her permission to pet her dog. And it's men that just go up to them and start petting a dog, even though she doesn't want them to. And it's that entitlement that men are so used to being able to do whatever the fuck they want without permission. Ugh. Exactly. I think it's always coming from that position of that privilege. I think that's what Mm. they're used to. How about you, Carly? How do you feel going out these days? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really, um, I don't really go out. (laughs) (laughs) But I do. um, But you get to work. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, at the moment, I've, I've been working from home as well as working in the office. And when I'm on the train and stuff, I think I am a bit more wary of my own presence than before. Um, and there are times like when you mention if there's someone sort of approaching, I do wonder, are they going to say something? But generally speaking, I think as well, the scene is a bit different here in Glasgow in comparison to London. Um, it's not as busy. It's not, um, it's not really gone back to normal levels of traffic in terms of um, people on public transport and also going through the city centre, but I have um, noticed that I do get a bit tense um, or certainly more aware of my surroundings if if it's me and um, someone that's quite raucous on the street or on the train carriage. Um, and I've noticed as well, when people don't wear masks on the train and I'm wearing a mask, I do give them a hard stare because first of all, they're, not complying with um, government guidance, but also I think it's just feeling like having known what the community's gone through and being scapegoated and blamed, yet, you know, you there's there's that capacity of, of feeling like they don't need to, um, you know, I actually mentioned in the chat just earlier about how I was at this COVID briefing yesterday and there was a discussion about temperature guns being used for staff. And when it was suggested that it could be used for the public, um, someone had said it felt too personal. But why is that a, a concern if it's in the interest of public safety? You know, you look at how it's happening in, in East Asia, for example. Temperature guns are being used on public because it's, it's for everybody's interest so that nobody is entering a space if they've got a high fever. Nobody's complaining about that. Yet here, there's definitely that sense of privilege of, no, don't you know, you're infringing on, on my... Um, my right not to have my temperature taken. It's not even just to do anything to you. You literally just point at your forehead and that's it. it does, yeah, you don't you even don't, touch it. You don't even, um, you're not even close. You know, you stand no. quite far apart. But anyway, yeah. I think also just sort of listening to the three of you talking about, um, you know, white friends reaching out um, only kind of when you've posted something. I none of my white friends have reached out unless I have instigated the conversation. And that's actually incredibly disappointing 
Um, I don't think any, any of them listen to this podcast either. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the few close friends that I have, it's only come about because I talk about it. But when I think about the friends that consider me as a friend, where I felt that, um, you know, we're starting to distance, none of them have said a thing. Uh, the only person that uh, reached out on their own accord and actually sent a very touching message was from a high school classmate. I wouldn't even necessarily call her a friend because I didn't, I don't really know her that well. I just know mm. that she was in the same art class as me back in what, five, six years ago in high school. And she had sent me a message that really was, you know, it wasn't anything like, um, it, it wasn't anything like, oh, can you point me in the right direction? Or it wasn't a sort of, um, you know, I, I think there's, there are some people who message and want to make it clear that, oh, I am doing the work, so you know, right? It was actually a very genuine message in that, um, you know, they were saying that they appreciate what we as Be Seen were posting, what I had posted previously. I'm actually less active on Instagram now. Um, but yeah, the, you know, they had said to me that they didn't realize and it's made them really take a hard look at themselves and they just wanted to say that um, if there's anything that I needed to reach out for any help or whatever um, they were there and I think to receive that from someone that I don't really have any contact with says the huge amount of my friends yeah mm-hmm. yeah I've had that yeah. as well I've Same. had old yeah. school friends reach out Same. like people have not spoken to in the longest time be yeah. actually yeah. the ones who are like I'm sorry I understand thanks for talking about this and yes yeah, yeah. more often than not it's my current friends who just like um like you it's really jarring say say when Atlanta happened there were so many people in our community and us as well posting about it and then I'd come to a story where they're like having some ginger lemonade in the park today nice and sunny and it's so jarring because you're like ah like you know Mm. I I have to hide or when they message you to make plans like I had people message me after Atlanta to say like hey so you want to do this or do you want to do and I was like no but I know that it's possible for friends to message to talk about something horrible like that because I did have a couple of white friends who messaged to say I heard what happened this must be really shit time for you hugs like let me know if I can do anything it's that simple and that was really really meaningful but also the messages from people hadn't seen from for ages for years were meaningful too but I think the distance makes things a lot easier it is kind of easier to message someone you haven't seen in a long time to just say listen I know it's been a while just wanted to say this really appreciate this um and you know blah 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 and I hope you're okay let me know if there's anything I can do it's a lot easier to reach out and do that than it is to find a way to slide this really massive topic into your everyday (laughs) conversations that you're having with your friends every day about like you know going for cake or whatever yeah but even better than reaching out is say that you've done something as well like don't just say oh so sorry for you big hugs like be like and I've also gone away and I don't know sign I don't I don't want to see the receipts like it's great I want I want you to sign the position but I don't want it to be like just so you know I've done this I've done this like cool I think before we, you know, wrap up, it's already very telling that the fact that someone, maybe the distance does help, but the fact that someone that you don't have any contact with, that you don't even necessarily consider as a friend, can do that, but your close friends can't. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the receipts thing, I do like, yeah, I meant I don't want to see the receipts. Like, I don't want to see like meaningless mm. name dropping. Obviously, I love to know if you've been listening to the yeah. podcast or if you've been reading the stuff I've been writing. I do. It's nice to get feedback and it's lovely to hear that people have been engaging. But what I don't want to see is like 
you know, just performative optical, like I've done this, this and this, just so you know. I know exactly what you mean. It's, the, it's a weird, like, it's the weird line, isn't it? Of like, oh, here's all the things I'm doing. Genuine. It's like, yeah. just yeah. like casually dropping it into conversation as something that they do as, as well as other things that they don't tell you they yeah. do. It's the nuance. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Are we going to end with a song now? <laughs> yeah, let's end with another song and a five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I'll be there for I'll you. <laughs> for food. Yeah, let's see anybody many, uh... who would like to sign the official Be Seen band do get in touch. <laughs> Beseen.co.uk. We could we'll be waiting. Some other um, anti racism bands that are currently out there at the moment. Like the Linda Lindas. Oh, oh we they're could be amazing. like the Linda now. We could never be like the yeah, Linda Lindas, though. Adult versions. Never. No, never. Nah. We could also we could record jingles for people's companies if they want to pay us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Put my limerick writing skills to, to the test. Sure. I mean, the musicians that actually exist out there might feel a bit funny about that. Yeah. And we haven't got enough on our plates as well. So we should add that. Yeah, on. we're too busy. Amy's a musician. She yeah. plays the ukulele. Uh, yeah, play in the loosest sense of the word. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And uh, join us next week for another episode of But Where Are You From? A BC podcast. A BC podcast. A BC podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. White folks, they never hear me. White folks, White they, folks never they never see me. me. Seems we're the only one who knows what, what it's like. Because like. POC, someone, someone to, to face the day with. Make it through, through all, all the rest with. Someone I'll always love with. Solidarity, see joy, oh yeah. Was that it? Was that the record? That was really good. There's a lot of energy yeah. there. That's really good. Well, I feel people are going to get like secondhand embarrassment listening to this. <laughs> cut it. Don't cut it. No, this is like Patreon premium content, if anything. <laughs> it is actually. I agree. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm also very conscious that when we sing together, there's going to be a delay. So we're not going to be singing in time. So it might be that, like, whoever sings, uh, I can sing Charlie's if you want, but then the other just feed in with harmonies and stuff, because otherwise it's going to be a delay. Oh, we need to we all just harmonies? sing it one by one. Let's just sing it one by one. It'll be so oh much my easier. God, no. so what, sing the whole thing, like, each, one by one? Well, if there's going to be a delay, how are we going to do it? So yeah, Amy, you sing yours by yourself. Amy, you sing, and then we'll just feed in with some harmonies. But we should sing the chorus together because yeah. that's a bit that harmonizes. Okay. But we also it's... should we should also work out who sings which part of the harmony. I'll do the normal bit. I'll, I'll do the... be there for you, and then there's yeah. I'll that's the be harmony. There for you. I thought that was oh, a melody. Yeah. I'll do the that's lower melody, bit. The normal bit. <laughs> Amy, like, you're already do, doing a harmony. I'll be there for, for you. I'll be there for you. Okay, I'll but, sing the 
the high yeah. bit. So hang on, how about if bit, Amy then. and I sing it at the same time right now, and then Viv and Carly, you tell us if it yeah. sounded delayed. Okay. Right, count me in. Um, I don't know how to do that. Five, six, five, <laughs> six. But if it seven, wasn't eight. for the be seen girls, I'd be down in the pit. So I'll, I'll be, be there. there for no, you. it was delayed. So, on my the time. lag is awful. I just think we should yeah. just go for it, and just it, we're gonna have to accept that there's gonna be a lag, and just go for it. Yeah, it's gonna sound shit. Okay, we just have to accept that this is not going to be a musical production. <laughs> and the clapping—it's like one, two, three, four, right? Yeah. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da. All right. <laughs>